When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Good morning. Our lines are open. 1850-333-103. Bernie takes your comments this morning. You can, of course, text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103. You can email jp at c103.ie or you can tweet this morning at c103cork. Ahead on the show, we're going to hear how the company behind the plastics factory in Skibbereen, they have withdrawn their application for the factory with Onboard Planola. Onboard Planola confirmed the news yesterday afternoon to the Saver Skibbereen group. So we'll be speaking with Brendan McCarthy from that particular group shortly on the programme on what it means now uh, for Skibbereen for the application uh, and is this it or could there be a new application put in for a plastics factory in the area we'll speak with them shortly also we're discussing clamping and the rules around clamping and what can be done this is due to a rise in the number of people being clamped at Cork's Kent Station now a lot of people will try and catch an early morning train for meetings in Dublin or indeed simply going to Dublin for a hospital appointment or whatever. Now, you could be going anywhere. It doesn't have to be Dublin. I'm just I'm just saying Dublin for uh, sake of picking a location. But wherever you're going to, people do use the car park at Kent Station. But over the last number of years, more and more people are finding themselves clamped for one reason or another. It could be something very simple, like you put your ticket up on the dash and you get out of the car and you're dashing for the train and there's a, a gust of wind comes, your ticket blows off, you're clamped. It's usually those type of scenarios where people have overstay their welcome in the car park but it is frustrating if you have been away for a day in wherever you are across the country back then to Kent Station and then you find yourself in a situation where you must pay over 100 euros or whatever it is to remove a clamp from the car it delays you even further especially if you're travelling long distance if you're not in the city and you're in outer lying areas of the county you might be lucky enough maybe in the, in the north and east Cork regions to have a train station nearby but in the south and west Cork regions or mid Cork uh, they're not so lucky so they would be using Kin Station more than other areas of the county anyhow discussing that and what is the outcome for this what can be done regards clamping in the city one uh, suggestion is that maybe the co- local councils the local authority could get involved in the rule of clamping and what confuses people then with Kin Station is that because it's in public ownership the car park though is run privately and that is uh, something that we get a lot from people who say well it's Irish Rail we're taxpayers that's public land so why then are we in a situation whereby we must pay if we get clamped? Anyhow, discussing that on the programme this morning and clamping in general. And have you ever been clamped? And if you have, let me know. And uh, what do you think of clamping? Is it good? And should we bring it back in more areas of the city and county? Let us know. 1850-333-103. Also, we're going to hear how a new resource is being set up to help teachers who support homeless students. I'm sure many teachers who enter the profession never thought that they would be dealing with this situation of students who are 
are coming to class every morning but they are homeless discussing this with the INTO and supermarket shoppers won't be getting any loyalty points in the future if they buy alcohol so if you're going off for your grocery shop and then you decide I'll pick up a bottle of wine or a slab of beer or whatever it is and you go to the checkout well you'll get your loyalty points for your grocery shopping but you won't in the future on alcohol it's a proposal at the moment by the health minister it looks like it will be passed and it also brings the end of bargain deals in on alcohol in supermarkets so when you have the two for one kind of deals uh, that could be gone as well in the future for alcohol we'll discuss this with Alcohol Action Ireland and your views are welcome on this you can text or WhatsApp 86 we're going to look ahead to Culture Night across Cork County. Some fantastic events and some fantastic heritage buildings are also opened in various parts of the county, be that in North Cork, East Cork, West Cork or South Cork, wherever you are in Cork County. Some great events are happening this Friday night as part of Culture Night and we'll look and highlight some of those events later in the show. And we didn't get to this yesterday, but... And there's a feeling that when it comes to public service broadcasting that there should be more outlets not just only in Dublin but across the country and there's fears uh, for the closure of the RTE Cork studios. This was first reported in the Irish Daily Mail. We didn't get to cover this yesterday uh, but local politicians feel there should be a base for the public service broadcaster and the state broadcaster outside Dublin and not just have one major base in the capital. Basically there's a fear that production could move from Cork to Dublin and that there would be a, a smaller operation in Cork and when they mean by production moving uh, basically shows which are produced in Cork mainly uh, the two big ones nationwide and the Today Show with Maura and Dahi that they could be moving to Dublin if production moves now that might not happen and they just could be moving location and that might never happen but there's a fear that could be and people feel that we need to keep uh, items like that in the regions of Ireland not everything coming from Dublin and we're also later on the programme going to hear about the work of GROW the Community Mental Health Organisation so that and more to come between now and one and your calls and comments are welcome to Bernie 1850 333 103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 086 103 103. And on the latest regarding the beef protests affecting so many farmers across the country, well, Yesterday evening, uh, the Agricultural Minister, Michael Creed, he has now pleaded with uh, protesting farmers to step down from the picket lines amid fears that factories could close because of the beef crisis. Michael Creed's plea comes as a leash-based processor has said it may have to permanently shut its facilities if the deadlock over cattle prices is not resolved. It was an open letter uh, that was issued last night by Minister Creed and he said the future of the sector is now in the balance and he called on farmers to give the deal struck over the weekend a chance and this letter came because it is the factory in Rathdowney in Leash uh, owners of Meadow Meats have come out and they are not ruling out that the plant's closure could happen and this is over the ongoing protests at their factory and others across the country so we know there's temporary layoffs now some factories of the country are saying they could have permanent layoffs and one now in County Leash uh, saying that they basically could be closing the factory uh, because of what is happening uh, I'd like to hear farmers' views on this I know yesterday we had a mixed response from people regarding the actual what we thought was an agreement with the beef plant movement of Ireland and then uh, when individual farmers spoke up they were not happy with the outcome of this uh, so when there, initially there was an agreement really there isn't an agreement as farmers on the ground are not happy a lot of them felt uh, that because the beef plant movement is now turned into a farm organisation that they felt it wasn't really representing them on the ground even though the beef plant movement now can discuss price and they're the first farm organisation to be able to discuss price which hopefully in the future 
for the farmers on the ground will help them but at the moment it's not guaranteeing a base price so that's where the problem lies. Anyhow, we did speak to farmers yesterday on why they continue to protest and why they are not happy with what was agreed and why the factories need to speak to them. Here's one farmer who was speaking to us yesterday outside a factory. All we're after is a margin, a living. And if the factories had a small bit of cop on and work with us, which is what we want to do, they would have a steady supply of cattle all the time and there'd be no need for anyone to be here. So as far as I'm concerned, the ball is in their court. Well, if the ball is in their court, there is a different views coming out from the other side because Cormac Healy from the Meat Industry Ireland says plants need to be able to resume processing. And he says if there is unhappy farmers out there, if they do continue to protest, well, nothing really will be done. Anyway, here's what Cormac Healy has said from Meat Industry Ireland earlier this morning. And that agreement did have and does have significant benefits uh, in it for beef producers. I think what we really need to see now is a resumption of, of protest processing so that the actual thousands of farmers out there that have animals fit for market can actually get processing and selling them again and, and we see the benefits of that for them. So your views are welcome, uh, depending on what side you're on in that particular argument. And many farmers, though, are, are sticking together on this and basically saying, no, there's no base price. So why should we agree to something that we're not happy with? Because down the road, it will affect them. Let us know your views. 1850-333-103. And the Go Safe speed cameras, the speed vans that we all know on the roads. Well, the company which runs Ireland's roadside speed monitoring vans, it's set to face notice of industrial action by the end of this week. It could happen. It's over a row on pay and conditions and the GoSafe Consortium, well, they were awarded the state contracts and this was back in 2016 for five years uh, to operate the speed cameras on our roadsides. But staff are complaining and it's SIP2, staff under the union of SIP2 because... First of all, it's about shift patterns, but also uh, because the patterns are so strict, people, those in the actual GoSafe vans, they have little choice to carry out or to carry with them a plastic bottle to use for toilet breaks. So uh, think about it. If you are operating one of those Go Safe speed vans and you're parking up on the side of the road and you're there for two hours or however long they stay there, uh, but you need to go, uh, there's nowhere to go. And seemingly they're bringing plastic bottles for toilet breaks. So they, they want breaks and they want toilet breaks. And this is one of the issues that has been bought uh, by SIP2 to Go Safe, the company that run the particular van. So we'll see what will happen there. But because uh, this dispute has happened and has been taken now by SIP2, we could have a situation whereby it could escalate into industrial action by the end of the week. Uh, so there could be maybe less of those particular speed vans in and around the area. Not too sure how people feel about that and we had a few texts in yesterday didn't get to them uh, by the way a very busy show yesterday I have a lot of emails to catch up on and a lot of commentary and I will get to those between now and one uh, but one text came in and a few of them followed on and this was from John in North Cork who said all the changes of the masses in Kerry on Saturday evening didn't really do it for Kerry did they uh, Dublin winning out in the end and on that it seemed uh, when the stats came out on how many people watched the actual All-Ireland Football Final Replay that over 1.1 million watched the replay on Saturday evening. It was a 966,000 viewers tuned into the TV but at one point over 1.1 million tuned in and they had over 140,000 streams on the RTE player as well so a huge amount of people watching that particular event but as John in North Cork says, uh, no luck for our neighbours in Kerry but Dublin doing the five in a row. Uh, calls and comments are welcome 1850 You can also send us a message if it's easier to get through to us on Facebook 
You can send us a message, a private message on the C103 Facebook or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Shortly discussing clamping, but next, after Queen, we'll hear about the decision for the Skibbereen Plastics Factory that now is not going ahead at the application has been withdrawn. C103, 1850, lines open. You can always send us a message on private messenger on Facebook. Go to C103 Cork or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Now, on board Planola, I sent a notification yesterday to the Save Our Skibbereen group that the RTP company trading as daily products had withdrawn their application for the plastics factory in Skibbereen and that there was no, no, no live planning application in the area for a plastics factory. Well, joining me from the Save Our Skibbereen group is their chairperson, Brendan McCarthy. Good morning to you, Brendan. Good morning, JP. Obviously for yourselves, a lot of campaigning went on over the last few years. Welcome news for you. But when they say the application is now closed, it's not live, does that mean there could be a new application in another few months or another few years? I suppose it could, yeah. But, um, as of now, there's no live planning on that site. You know, we had, as you said, fought this for the last two and a half years since spring of 2017. And, you know, lots and lots and lots of meetings and discussions and a lot of hard days and dark days over the couple of years. Um, so it's great to get this positive news and we got a good positive news at the end of July from the High Court that it was throwing it back, quashing the order of board Panala from last November, sent back to board Panala to be decided in accordance with, with law. And I came home from school yesterday to, to get a beautiful letter on the Monday. Um, you know, kind of dreading it, not knowing, opening the letter and to see that it's been withdrawn. So I rang them up and that it was confirmed to me over the phone that they have withdrawn. They wrote to the board at the end of August. You know, I was hoping that they, this would happen, and it's just so great that it has happened. But yeah, as you said, there could, of course, anyone can put in a, a new planning application. But I sincerely hope and seriously doubt that this company would do so. You know, because last time there were thirty nine submissions, I'd say you could at least add a thousand onto that if it went in again. And if 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 they were to go again, I presume you would still have the campaign running to go against this particular factory. Of course, yeah. yeah. And, and it does show how people power have won out, and, and that there's something like this. If you want to protest enough, you, you can win out in a decision. Would you encourage other communities as well to get involved in these type of campaigns? Of course, yeah. Like I, I was in the town council in Skibbereen for ten years. I've never objected anything in my life up to this. I've never been involved in any campaign, and. You know, I I hope to God in a way that I never will again. But but when something is just not right, you know, you have to stand up and fight. And it's and we it wasn't a militant campaign at all. It was we had a lot of sensible people. It was campaigning for common sense to prevail. And you know, I've thought to myself in the last few years that this is not going to happen. History is on our side here. As I said from day one, it's the best time ever to be appealing the granting of planning for a plastic factory. You know, plastic has turned into a dirty word. But then there's still, like, you know, it was up at the county hall last Monday for discussion on really rezoning it back to Greenbelt. And that's that's kind of the final stage that we hope to see concluded now, is to get this site back to something sustainable, something greener and cleaner to go into that site. But to hear some of the councillors up there still living in the dark ages that we need jobs in West Cork and these, like, any kind of jobs. Of course we need jobs. Skibreen has got a couple of hundred new jobs in the last couple of years since this campaign has gone on good, sustainable, clean jobs, which are not polluting anything in the area. And, you know, people talk about GA clubs floating down and all this rubbish. It's like, to, you're blood to boil sometimes you have to um, bite your tongue. But And every time I've been on TE, and thanks very much to C103 for the support all the way through, um, 
there's been comments in what about the jobs, what about the jobs. Do you know, in this day and age, we need to realise, like, we all know we need to change, and but we have to follow through and do the change. Not, not, no fine just talking about it. Yeah, because obviously a lot of environmental groups were, were happy at this particular decision when we were against a plastics factory, given so much talk about plastics over the last three or four years before the idea of a factory was to go into Skibbereen. But you mentioned jobs there, and there was a lot of politicians in the area who were afraid that if this wasn't going to come to the area, the jobs you mentioned that came over the last while, some say they were very specific to certain industries, whereas people felt they'd have more of a chance to get the job in this particular plastics factory. So uh, for, for those who say, yeah, they agree with we need to look elsewhere for jobs but some people felt that they had an opportunity to get a job in this particular factory now that's taken away from them yeah well you know as I said, there was 15 or 20 jobs coming in here and it was going to be to the detriment of lots of other jobs like lots of other people and little companies employing two or three or five or ten people around the place who's like look we just had the taste of West Cork finished last Sunday like showcasing what West Cork has to offer and it's not just Skibbereen and again like was mentioned again by one councillor in particular that is still thinking that it's just people living in the immediate vicinity of this factory who are objecting to it or concerned about it and say like silly statements like oh if you build a house next to a train station it's like objecting to the train like comparing me and my neighbours to that like does he not realise that there's thousands of people have been supporting our campaign and thousands of people all over West Cork have been flooded with messages the last 24 hours saying we've done good for West Cork. It's not just about an immediate vicinity of the IDA site and all that. Of course, there's people always looking for jobs, but, you know, as I said, Skibbereen has got a hugely positive the last four or five years. We have a new sewers treatment plant. We have a flood scheme. We have a brand-new secondary school. We've got Spearline officially open there during the summer. We've got West Cork distillers. We've got Ludgate. You know, it's hugely positive, Skibbereen, and this just did not fit in with all of that. Well, I'm sure when you started this campaign back in 2017, you didn't expect to get the nationwide coverage that it drew over that particular time. The case is closed, but I'm sure going forward, Brenda, now you will be monitoring this because you know things could change or there could be a factory set up elsewhere in the area. Of course we will, yeah. And, you know, I've, I've been living that road since 1983. Mm. My family home was the original farmhouse on which the IDA site now is. Uh, that land was with my parents' house. Um, there's been no development on that site for almost 40 years. You know, so it's not like we were like you know, just kind of said, "Oh, you wouldn't be surprised if there's a factory being there." But it's it's a failed site in terms of you know industrial development authority. Um, but of course, we'll be keeping watching it. And one thing in our favour, we have new councillors. We have a lot of councillors who've changed their mind, as everyone is entitled to change their mind. And I said that from day one, and realised that look, we can't. They need to watch and monitor as well. But I think we have more eyes in County Hall and in West Cork Municipal District looking at things like that and. Of course, we need to remain to be vigilant, but like I said, it's, I'm not, I'm not, I don't object just for the sake of objecting. It's just when something isn't right and doesn't fit in with an area, you have to make a stand. OK, well, for the moment, uh, there is, as we said, no live application and it isn't going yeah. ahead now and the case is closed. So uh, best of luck to your particular campaign. Uh, I'm sure there'll be, uh, it'll be watched over the, the next while by others who face uh, these type of industries setting up in their area. For the moment, Brendan, yeah. thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks a minute, Jeffrey. That's Brendan McCarthy there from the Save Our Skibbereen group on now the plastics factory not going ahead in Skibbereen application withdrawn. And for the moment, uh, the case is closed there with regard.
regards to a factory for plastics at that particular site. 1850-333-103. Text to WhatsApp 0862103103. Discussing the issue of clamping next. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Clamping of cars at Cork's Kin Station has been criticised a number of times over the last number of years. Many use the car park facility, travelling from areas of the county to another, or indeed simply if working in the city while well, Councillor Shane O'Callaghan joins me on this issue. Good morning to you, Shane. Morning, JP. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks, and thanks for joining us. Now, this basically is where a lot of people use the car park, either if they're travelling from Cork to Dublin or simply working in the city and they use the car park facilities. And if they are delayed by train or if the ticket blows off when they get into the car, whatever happens, they find themselves clamped. Many think that is unfair because even though it's public land, the car park is still run privately. Uh, But now there's a, a rule where people are looking at, can the local authority get involved? And can they? Well, um, that's what I'm proposing um, should be the case, um, JP. Just to get, like, basically, Kent Station Car Park is uh, owned by CIE, which, as you say, is a semi-state company, so it's essentially a publicly owned car park. But uh, even though that is the case, it's it's operated as a private car park by um, a clamping company, Abcoa. And uh, I don't know if, you, if you've ever parked there, I assume you have, but, I mean, if you want to park there in the morning, you know, the, the machines there, they, they, they don't take notes. So you'd have to have, I think it's nine euro if you're paying by cash. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, you're expected to have nine euro in coins um, for the machines. And then if if you don't have that, then and you could be in a rush for the train, you know, you have the option of paying online. But I mean, you need a you need a smartphone to do that. I mean, a lot of I mean, you know, a lot of people, particularly elderly people, don't have smartphones. And um, and so I mean, and even if you if you are in a position to do it online. And um, you could, you know, you're you're subject to what sort of uh, reception you have whilst on the train. That's um, a very good point, which isn't great on trains. Data can which be isn't great. touchy and on trains. Exactly, and I mean, just clamp the, the the idea of the issue of clamping in general in private car parks was something that I would have brought up during the the um, recent local election campaign. And I mean, and as a result, um, a lot of people contacted me about. It. I'll give you an example. Uh, one particular man. He tried to pre-book it the night before. They didn't let him do that. Then he arrived on the morning to get a train to Dublin. Um, basically, he didn't have the coins. Uh, he was told, oh, listen, you can do it. He, you know, he was obviously needed to get the train. He was told by a member of staff um, to just, just get the train and do it online whilst on the train. He tried doing it on the train and it didn't work for whatever reason. He arrived up in Dublin and went to his daughter's house where he had reception on his phone and immediately paid it and then contacted him to say he paid it. But even though he did all that, so he tried a number of times to actually um, pay and eventually did pay. But despite all that, when he arrived back in Dublin, or sorry, arrived back in Kent Station that night at 10 o'clock, uh, he found his car clamped. An elderly man. And then obviously have to wait around for, he had to wait around for, I mean, they take their time in coming. And then obviously pay the €125 Euro fee, which is quite excessive, uh, very excessive actually, in my, in my view, um, for it to be released. And, yeah, and so the, the problem here, though, seems yeah. to be, and I've got a few texts since you mentioned about pay and display, is the pay and display system. So surely if a private company is going to run a car park, should they be made modernise the situation and have a, a pay and display system whereby it will take coins, it will take notes, it will be able to take cards. So whether you want to tap your card on a screen or inside a credit card or debit card, uh, that it's modernised. I mean, we are turning into a world uh, where we're going from cashless society to using cards, but yet people still have to have the coins with them in a situation whereby they're rushing to grab a train. 
Well, I, I certainly agree with that. Um, but I mean, no effort, from what I can see, has been made by by Abco or any other camping company to actually uh, make it easier than it currently is to pay. But I mean, just and, and what I'm proposing basically is, like, as far as I can see, okay, clamping is just essentially an outdated practice which causes unnecessary inconvenience and distress to the person involved. If your car is clamped, any appointments or arrangements that you have, no matter how ar- urgent, have to be delayed or cancelled. Um, as you're forced to wait for a long time for the clamper to come and remove the clamp. And as I say, that could often take an hour. Um, and then on top of that, you have to pay an excess of €125 Euro fee for the clamp to be removed, which is over three times the amount that you, have to, that you pay if you receive an ordinary parking ticket from a traffic warden. I mean, three times the amount um, if your car is clamped on top of having to wait around, etc. So I think it makes no sense as it results in vehicles that are wrongly parked being there for much longer than they otherwise would have been. And it's also bad for local businesses. I mean, for instance, Douglas Woolen Mills now in, in Cork, and that's camping operators uh, operate there. And I mean, the, the, the park is always half empty. And I mean, particularly, you know, about the um, the multi-story car park in the, so fire, the shopping yeah. centre closing down. I mean, there's, there's a need for parking now more than ever. But I can guarantee that even though there is that need for parking, Douglas Woolen Mills will be half empty because people know that, okay, they could pay for it, but they, they might lose track of time. They might get talking to someone the way back while they're shopping. And even if they're, you know, five minutes late back, their car is camped. And as a result, their entire day is, is ruined. So what I'm talking about doing is, and I brought a motion um, to Cork City Council last Monday, right? And basically, under the, under the current regime, right, um, clamping in private car parks is um, controlled by, it's regulated by the National Transport Authority, right, under the terms of the Vehicle Camping Act 2015, right? So basically, under that, um, the National Transport Authority regulates all camping that takes place um, throughout the country. But it has one set of regula- regulations that, as I say, take place throughout the entire country. So, And this is in spite of the fact that parking conditions, for instance, in Dublin, and that whether there's a need for clamping in private car- parks in Dublin, could be completely different to to Cork City or Skibbereen or, you know, Galway or, do you know what I mean? But, hmm. but, so, I mean, what I'm proposing is, and the motion I brought was for Cork City Council to call upon the government, the Oireachtas, and in particular the Minister for Transport, Shane Ross, to amend the Vehicle Clamping Act so as to provide for the regulation of clamping in private car parks to be done by local authorities, uh, you know, Cork or uh, county councils and city councils, as opposed to and by the, the the National Transport Authority, because obviously this would make more sense for clamping to be because it would make more sense for clamping to be regulated locally by local councils who are aware of the conditions pertaining to their own areas, rather than one blanket set of regulations in place by the National Transport Authority. And, and that motion, by the way, was passed unanimously by Cork City Council. So. Um, it, it, you know, it, it has now been sent to Dublin and asking, calling upon him to do that. Um, and I mean, I think it makes sense. And for decades now, successive Irish governments have talked about the need to devolve more decision-making powers to local authorities. And this is a perfect opportunity for the government to devolve that decision-making power to local authorities because it's the logical thing to do.
Yeah, and you'll know from being in City Hall and the people there will know the area so you'll be able to make a better decision on the ground here in Cork rather than someone in Dublin making a decision who may not be familiar with the parking at Kin Station. Could you see an issue then because at the moment we don't have clamping on the streets of Cork. There used to be, that's gone now, even though the Green Party had a proposal as well to bring back clamping to sort out parking in the city at weekends. But could you have a situation whereby you could decide in City Hall to remove clamping and stop the practice of clamping on all private car parks in the city. Is that something so that could happen if this actually goes through? Yes. Um, in, in 2012, Cork City Council, to its credit, ended the practice of clamping vehicles on public roads and streets in Cork City. So you're, if you're parked on the street, I mean, before that, in my opinion, it was a disaster. You could be parked on the side of the street and be there for five minutes too long and, and get clamped. Whereas, um, in fairness, since 2012, vehicle on public roads and streets in Cork City, um, you, you know, if you if you park there too long, you get you get 40 euro um you get a ticket which is a 40 euro fine from a traffic warden. Um, the Green Party, I'm not, to be fair to them, I'm not sure if they're in favour of bringing back clamping because um, I, I would have discussed it with them um, during the, that council meeting where I brought the motion. I, I know they're in favour of bringing back um, uh, towing towing away vehicles that are parked, particularly that vehicles that are on parked bike lanes. on cycle lanes, mm. which, I mean, which I mean, there is some merit to that proposal. Um, I, I'd obviously be totally opposed to bringing back clamping, um, and I, I don't know if the Green Party are in favour of bringing back clamping. Um, to be to be honest with you, um, my, I, I was under the impression that they weren't. But I mean, I stand to be corrected. Obviously, if, if that's a proposal they would be bringing, I would be very much opposed to it. And and I would I would expect the vast majority of my colleagues in Cork City Council would be also. Um, but under my proposal as well, um, if 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 it's if it's agreed to by by the Minister for Transport. And um, obviously, local authorities would have the power not just to regulate clamping, but they would also have uh, the power to ban all clamping within within private car parks within their local authority area as well. Okay, and that is something that I would be very much in favour of if 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 uh, local authorities were granted the power to do that. And it's not a radical proposal, uh, by the way, to ban clamping in general. It's something that has already taken place in several other countries. Um, for instance, all vehicle camping in private car parks was banned in Scotland as far back as 1992. It's been banned in England since 2012. And, and the sky hasn't fallen in in either of those countries as a result. You know, I mean, it's not, um, you know, there's no there's no demand to reintroduce camping in Scotland from, from what I know. But basically, and I'm not proposing a free-for-all, by the way, instead of um, yeah. camping. Um, what, what I'm proposing is a similar system to what's, what is in, in Scotland, as I say, since 1992, which is instead of um, clamping vehicles that are wrongly parked or parked too long, the owners of pri- private car parks would have the power to co- issue what's called a parking charge notices, uh, part- parking charge notices. And basically these notices demand that a sum of money is paid by the motorist within a certain period of time. And it's basically an invoice uh, for breach of contract, Okay. And, you know, I mean, what I'd be talking about doing is for that to happen here, a parking charge notice to be here, you'd you, you'd have to pay, we'd say, 40 euro, which is the equivalent of a ticket from a park uh, issued by a, a traffic warden uh, within 28 days. And then with, if you don't pay it within the 28 days, you know, obviously, as I say, it's an invoice for breach of contract, they will be able to bring you to court, okay? And people might say, oh, sure, you know, I mean, that that's, 
there's no enforcement there. People just won't pay it. But I mean, if you're brought to court, and I mean, they could obviously bring several people to court at the same time. And um, the people who are brought to court, you'd end up getting a, probably, you know, a higher fine. You'd have to pay the cost of the proceedings, which would be substantial. And then there'd be a court order against you. And then if you still refuse to pay, it would affect your credit rating. Even when it comes to getting, you know, even if, you know, things like a mobile phone contract or something like that. So, I mean, people would soon realise that they're still better off paying the €40, Euro, but the big difference between and um, the system of parking charge notices and obviously clamping is that, first of all, it's it's the same, it would be the same amount as a ticket issued by a traffic warden, which is €40, Euro, um, which is, as they say, a third of the amount of what you have to pay if your vehicle is clamped. And obviously you get rid of the long waits involved. Um, in, in a clamping company coming clamped. out to so, I mean, I think it. that wouldn't I think that makes much more sense. I don't think there's any justification, first of all, for the uh, excessive €125 fee, and I don't think there's any justification for clamping someone's vehicle and basically making them wait around until the the, the clamper decides to come back and, and, and take the clamp off. And if this Where was to happen very briefly, Shane, if this was to go ahead and clamping was removed from car parks in Cork City and indeed uh, anywhere else in Cork as well, if it was to go through in the county, well, it would be up to the, each local authority. So yeah, if if, if it's city council and in Cork, and it'd be up to Cork County Council, you know, in, in the county, the rest of the Cork. County, but if yeah. it was to go through briefly, what would happen then to the companies that run the clamping services? I mean, is it a, a way that they could call a business and could you see job losses? Like, is there a catch twenty two to this? Well, I mean. I personally wouldn't lose any sleep over um, a, a few clampers, you know, losing their jobs as a result of this, uh, to be honest, JP. I mean, first of all, there's not a huge amount of them involved. We practically have full employment in this country. And I think that um, I, ca- I, can imag- I can't imagine what sort of job satisfaction someone gets by basically going around clamping people's vehicles. I'd say they get loads of abuse from people when they come around to take the clamp off. Um, and what sort of you know, what sort of person would like a job whereby you just basically go around ruining people's days? So, I mean, if it's a, if there's some job losses as a result, I just say get another job. Okay, which, well, we'll, we'll see what which happens. Which would probably be, which would, you know, I, I would I would suggest you would get job satisfaction out of it. Because anyone who actually gets job satisfaction out of going around camping people, I think shouldn't be in any sort of position of authority in the first place. All right, well, we'll see what happens uh, with the motion and if this comes into fruition for the moment. Shane, thanks for joining us on the programme. That is Councillor Shane O'Callaghan with regards to that issue of clamping. A few comments in on that and people who have been clamped at Kin Station. We'll get to those shortly. Next, though, we're going to hear how a new resource has been set up to help teachers support homeless students. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. Focus Ireland and the INTO have produced a new guidance resource for primary school teachers and principals who are supporting families and students who are homeless or at risk of losing their home. Fergal Abraham is president of the INTO and joins me. Good morning to you, Fergal. Good morning, how are you? I'm fine, thanks, and thanks for joining us. Now, this is something teachers probably never thought they would be facing when they were entering the profession, but it's a sad reality of what is happening at the moment, and many families are facing either eviction from their homes or are already in emergency accommodation. So teachers need to know how to react in a situation when they are dealing with a child in front of them who may be living in a hotel or emergency accommodation, and this is having an impact on the child's education. 
Absolutely. I mean, we have, at the moment, with the situation where we have more children in homelessness than we have primary schools in Ireland. So over 4,000 at the moment. And as you said there, when I started teaching 30 years ago, I never imagined that I'd ever be launching a report and a, a guide for teachers on homelessness. So it's something new for teachers, something they wouldn't have had to deal with. would have, of course, had to deal with lots of different social problems in the past. But this is something new. So uh, we, as, as, as educators, realise that a child cannot uh, kind of, um, educate themselves or cannot access the, the curriculum unless their basic needs are being met. So this is a practical, accessible guide for teachers to explain to them what signs to look out for and how to put a practical things in the classroom to help that child. So it might be, say, if a child is tired, to give them a safe area, maybe to have a nap. It might be if they've come to school with uh, and they haven't laundry facilities, maybe the school might be able to uh, wash their uniform. Uh, so there's a lot of practical tips for teachers on how to deal with this issue. And on the practical items you mentioned there, there's also the effects on a child from, you might have a child who's very, very bright, who's well able uh, for the education system, but because they're in accommodation which isn't suitable, as you said, they're tired, they're not concentrating properly, and they might need more time than others in the classroom. Absolutely, and uh, they might have space to do homework, they might be, they might have a whole family cramped in one room, so uh, some of our schools might have a homework facility, particularly if they're if they're deaf school, so you might find a, if they're through the school completion program, you might find a space for that child in a homework club. Or, of course, uh, homeless children are in every school in the country at this stage. It isn't just disadvantaged schools, so it might be a case of looking for that child a little bit of quiet time, a little space to get their work done. Or to, and also to understand the understanding that there might be reasons why a particular family, or my, uh, their children mightn't have their homework done. How might be a particular sloppy design. So it's that kind of empathy we're trying to and understanding and uh, dealing with the issue that's new for teachers. With Focus Art inv- involved, I suppose it does give that understanding, Fergal, to teachers as well on uh, how homelessness can affect a person. And also for those in the teaching profession, dealing with young children in, in the correct way without somebody else in the classroom knowing that they're in uh, this situation of homelessness. Absolutely, and of course, that's one of the things we would we would like to to push is that that parents. I know there's an awful lot of stigma involved with homelessness, but they go and they tell the principal of the situation and be dealt with the confidentiality. But the teacher really would need to know so that they, you know, in confidentiality, they'll be able to set in place different structures in the classroom to help that family. And we are we are and we would also be calling from the Department of Education to do more in this area. They've been quite inert. They've shown quite inertia in this area at the moment. I mean, it really isn't, as Mike Allen, head of folks are instead of the launch, it really shouldn't be the job of a charity and a trade union to bring this uh, this guideline and publish it and pay for it. It really should be the job of the Department of Education. And so we really feel that they have been a bit slow on dealing with this new issue in schools. Yeah, very true. And changing times uh, for teachers dealing with these issues for the moment. Fergal, uh, thank you for taking time out to chat to us this morning. That is president of the INTO, Fergal Boham. Our lines are open. I mean, who would have thought if you're going into teaching that this would be an issue uh, for you? Uh, And hopefully this gives guidance to especially young teachers who have entered their profession. Uh, 1850-333-103. On the way after C103 News at 11, we're going to hear about supermarket shoppers not getting any loyalty points for alcohol you buy in the supermarkets. Also an end to bargain deal.
deals on the supermarket shelves and we look ahead to the culture night in Cork County. Yesterday we heard Westlife going to play next August and already the hotels in Cork have increased their prices. Even I think Airbnb prices for apartments in the city uh, are up on the Airbnb site and uh, seemingly anyhow uh, from people who've been contacting us this morning they're higher than the norm but yeah we hear about it in Dublin and other cities but we're no different here in Cork when the big concert comes to town seemingly anyhow uh, the price of hotels are more expensive than they usually would for the 28th of August wonder if the actual concert which sales for tickets go on this Friday uh, will the concert sell out and if it does sell out will they then which I think it will sell out considering the interest in it but if it does sell out anyhow will they put on another gig on the following night it can be done if Ed played for three days I'm sure Westlife could play for two or maybe more we'll have to wait and see anyhow C103 it's Cork Today with you until 1 1850 lines open uh, you can text or WhatsApp 86 or you can tweet this morning at C103Cork and can we say good morning and wish the very best to Catherine O'Driscoll from Goleen. She is one of eight finalists baking in the Aldi Brown Bread competition and that's in the Aldi Tint at the National Ploughing Championships. She bakes Wednesday morning, four bake on Tuesday, four on Wednesday and then one finalist from each go to the grand final and will bake again on Thursday and then the overall winner's bread will be available nationwide in Aldi stores for 12 months. That's a good uh, prize for that particular competition. So best of luck to Catherine from Goline. Uh, That comes in from all your family. And Catherine, best of luck to you. But also I got a similar text in uh, from the family of Marie McCarthy from Carrigaline, who's in the same competition. So two from Cork in the same competition. So best of luck to Catherine uh, from Goline and Marie from Carrigaline, who were the finalists in the Aldi Brown Bread competition and that's at the Aldi Tent at the National Ploughing Championships if you are heading to the National Ploughing Championships uh, this week enjoy of course that they are on in Fina in County Carlow and traffic has been building all morning around the site in Carlow for the National Ploughing Championships if you're heading to the events still very heavy traffic I'm not too sure uh, what road people are going from Cork I presume you're going up the uh, the emission turning off at, at one of the various junctions Port Leash is the most obvious one but there is other ways I'm sure people will go from maybe going from the Waterford site uh, and if you are going the main way I mentioned uh, turning off at Port Leash there is a heavy delays entering FINA in uh, Carlo because of that particular um, event going on there and everybody trying to go in as they do each and every year uh, but it, traffic will move and people will get into the site uh, but that's always the case with the National Ploughing Championship so I know a lot of people will be listening driving up there at the moment to us or indeed listening on the C103 app so at best of luck and enjoy the ploughing if you're going there for the next few days and indeed to anybody like Marie and Catherine who are taking taking part in the ploughing or any event there at the at the ploughing championships over the next three days in FINA in County Carlow. Now a lot of reaction to various subjects we spoke about earlier in the show. First of all going back to the farmers and even though initially we thought an agreement was made on Sunday uh, farmers individual farmers are not happy because the main thing they wanted sorted was the price they thought that would be sorted it wasn't and they want a base price some kind of a guarantee on the base price for their beef and that hasn't happened from that particular agreement now 
Michael Creed uh, has come out uh, the Agricultural Minister of course from McCroom and he has urged farmers to stop picketing and give this agreement a chance but farmers are not going to do so for the moment anyhow and uh, some commentary on that first of all John saying it's time for Cormac Keeley from the Meat Industry Ireland now to increase the basic price it is all up to them says John while Timmy in Donneril says uh, listening and hearing Michael Creed on what he has said the farmers are producing the beef but they will no longer do it for nothing so with that in mind as we've heard farmers will continue to protest but Timmy says they are getting 140 per pound for beef why should they be concerned about employees in factories and in foreign markets and still be willing to work at a loss while Neil in Lumberstown says John Paul why should we worry about meat factories threatening to close down when farms are already closing follow an animal from field to fork and see where the money goes nothing at all goes to the farmer, says Neil in Lumberstown, which again is one of the issues why the farmers and individual farmers are staying on the picket lines because they're not happy with what they got. And I suppose if they had some type of an agreement or left the picket lines, they feel they could be left in this situation for another year or two. And as they come this far, they're going to keep at the pickets and hopefully that something will work out with the particular base price that they are looking for. While Joe and Bantry says the farmers have been let down by the IFA and all farm organisations. They did not fight for a base price. The bonuses are not worth anything to the farmers as the factories have control over the cattle going in. It's a problem all over Europe. They are blaming the farmers for people losing their jobs, but they are not blaming the factories or the retailers. It is time for all the farmers to come together in a co-op and do away with all the farm organisations as they are not on the side of the farmers, feels Joe in Bantry. Uh, Some of the comments into us with regards to the ongoing pickets at meat factories over the price farmers receive for beef. It's a situation that will continue and we'll keep covering it here on C103. And moving to the issue of clamping and we discussed this with Councillor Shane O'Callaghan on his motion and this is basically to to remove clamping from all car parks in uh, Cork City initially anyhow the majority of clamping does go along go ahead even in the city areas this came from clamping increasing at Kent Station whereby if you're rushing for a train or indeed you simply park there because you work in the city people are noticing that uh, if they especially rushing for a train as the example Shane gave it's only the machine that you pay for the ticket only takes coins so if you're rushing you don't have the exact coinage on you you will try and do it online when you're on the train you don't have data you don't have 4G or 3G then you can't get the actual website up on your phone so you can't pay and it's leading then to people coming returning to Cork returning to Kent Station and their car is clamped in the evening so uh, something needs to be done and they're hoping that the local authority would have power and control to either remove clampers from those particular private car parks and operate a different system of finding people if they overstay their welcome or if they abuse the particular private car park. Well, on Kent Station, Maureen says the small notice they have up at Kent Station is just ridiculously small. They need to have a big sign saying 9.50 per day. There is a small sign there giving the impression it is 8.50 per day. You will be clamped though if you only pay 8.50 for the day. So they do need uh, to increase the sign uh, size in Kent Station to let people know what exactly they need to pay if you're parking at the station for for the day, while Colin and Butterman says 
It now seems to be government policy to privatise everything. Private car parks can charge what they like so the government cannot step in and stop the clamping. So Shane's proposal will not work, according to Cullum in Buttevant. And on the situation in Skibbereen, we discussed with Brendan McCarthy from Saver Skibbereen. This is the company behind uh, the plastics factory in Skibbereen. They have withdrawn their application for the factory uh, to go ahead in Skibbereen. The Onboard Panola have now said the, cl- the case is closed there for that particular application of a factory in Skibbereen. And while the Saver Skibbereen group and environmentalists and many in Skibbereen are delighted as they felt it was the wrong place for a particular plastics factory, others then feel uh, that it wasn't the right decision because of jobs. Now, Brendan did go into the issue of jobs and says there is jobs out there and they have seen an increase in jobs in Skibbereen over the last number of years with new companies being set up. I did make the point that not everybody will be qualified to work uh, in the likes of, for example, Ludgate and those. But you know, the point was made, there is jobs in other industries similar to the plastic factory in Skibbereen. Anyhow, on that, a few comments in. Sandy saying uh, there are objections to most plans in that in Skibbereen, in that look at the town of Clonakilty. On the other hand, it's a go-ahead town, changing and has a good atmosphere that makes you want to stay in the town, socialise, shop or do business. Just look at the number of hotels and hotel numbers compared to the Skibbereen area. It also has got industries in Clonacilty, including a plastics factory. So need I say more, says Sandy. While Norma in Bandon says, well, I hope Brendan and his group are happy now. He has done away with potential jobs in the area. The plastics factory would not have done any damage, says Norma in Bandon to the area of Skibbereen. And shortly we're going to discuss the issue of loyalty cards and loyalty points. In, uh, yeah, it's loyalty points, as, as they're known now, in supermarkets. So basically when you go along, and you do your grocery shopping and you scan your card or the cashier scans your card for the actual points, be that with Super Value, Tesco, Duns, wherever else does it. Uh, when they now scan your loyalty points for your groceries and you have a bottle of wine in there, you won't be getting your points for the wine in the future. It's a proposal that is set to go through. I'll be discussing that next with Alcohol Action Ireland. But Heidi on that says, Good morning, JP. On wine prices in this country, wine here is not cheap. A red wine in Lidl, or Lidl, uh, here is €9, Euros, while in France it's €2.99. Euros now, you, can you imagine the French people being told they drink too much? This is becoming a nanny state. Again, for the few them that pay for the actual uh, wine, uh, the many pay the price. Uh, but she says, comparing to France, when we have the French with two euros ninety nine for a red wine bottle uh, here in, in where she can find the cheapest anyhow is in little for nine euros. She feels prices here are not cheap. And uh, James on this agreeing with Heidi on the pricing issue, but feels again, and the argument comes up every time uh, that for those who misuse alcohol, those who don't are being punished. We'll discuss that next. C one o three jobs. And on today's job spot, we have opportunities for a childminder required for an immediate start to mind two children aged two years old in the Kentuck area. Contact 087-293-5736. An experienced baker confectioner is required for an immediate start for a restaurant and bakery in the Mallow town. Fluent English is essential. Email your CV and a cover letter to foodcapers at live.ie. And Lerokim recruitment are looking for experienced pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, nurses and healthcare professionals. You can contact Lecrim Recruitment for further details. You'll find these jobs and more online now. Just go to c103.ie 
for its last job. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Over the last year, we have heard so many suggestions to deal with low alcohol price selling in this country and indeed drink offers. The latest now is how shoppers won't be allowed to buy alcohol with their loyalty points. Yuna McKenna joins me from Alcohol Action Ireland. Good morning to you, Yunan. Morning, Jaffa. How are you? I'm fine, thanks, and thanks for joining us. Now, Thank what this basically means is that those, when they go into the supermarket, you purchase your groceries, you have drink with the particular groceries, you won't be getting your loyalty points for the alcohol. That's right. It's part of a wider set of measures. I mean, this is a small but it's a reasonably significant step, we think, in the context of trying to curb what are the demand and the stimulus for alcohol consumption, uh, which is what the whole purpose of the Public Health Alcohol Act is, is about endeavouring to try and ensure that as a whole the population that we will drink a little less alcohol than we currently do, uh, which is currently riding around 11 litres per capita. And what this endeavour, this is just one small section 23 of what was the Public Health Alcohol Act passed last, late last year, which has a number of measures in it in relation to how we would go about as society trying to curb the, the major stimulus around alcohol. So what this section 23 does is it seeks to prohibit this, the, the sale of alcohol within the context of it being an award scheme or a loyalty scheme. It also seeks to ensure that price measures like we see evidently in the context of things like getting a product two for one or getting, you know, buy buy five, get six, these types of measures around alcohol uh, purchases that they would be prohibited in the future. Um, but, but, uh, But that and then the idea of the loyalty scheme that you won't be able to create a loyalty scheme around alcohol purchases, but also that you won't be able to get loyalty points around alcohol purchases as well. So all of these are measures to try and ensure that we move to a point in our minds that alcohol is no longer seen as a grocery commodity or an ordinary grocery commodity. And when you mentioned there about the product deals whereby, for example, it could be offering a slab of beer for half price or mm, a two product exactly. deal, is that just, that will be in supermarkets or would that be across the board in all across the board. everywhere? Across the board, yeah. It's, 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 it's prohibiting, it's, it's seeking to prohibit a certain type of sale of alcohol and promotion of alcohol. So it'll be right across all commercial sales of alcohol in that context. And when so you're right, bars. in a slab of beer, you like many supermarkets at the moment would be offering a highly reduced price for a slab of beer in the first instance and then in addition to that they would offer you a second slab uh, for half that price so you're you know you end up in a situation where you're getting nearly 24 liters of of alcohol for around 36 euros and that, yeah. like, that's just crazy and when you mentioned this, the price offers, is that just, as I mentioned, it's off license at supermarkets. What about bars who have the drink offers? Maybe you go in, it's not as evident as it was, but still at some point, for students especially, uh, they would run these in certain bars whereby, for example, a bottle of beer might be five euros. It would reduce down to two euros for 30 minutes. Would these measures include these type of drink promotions? Um, it would to a degree, um, and now in terms of the, that type of time frame that you've just outlined, mm. I, I couldn't be certain. I don't know the exact details of that. There is a provision within the within the, the uh, measures which says that you can't reduce the price within a three-day period. Um, so perhaps that would cover that. Um, 
but I don't know the specific answer to that question. Yeah, no, it's it's only coming up because uh, Freshers' Week has been around all the cities in Ireland for the last while because of uh, new people starting out in college and a lot of the uh, bars and nightclubs and it's been an issue, I'm sure, for some whereby they go in and, you know, they, they're new to a city and they can offer them a lower price of alcohol for an hour or so. Uh, so why buy? It's a good measure to bring this into into actual supermarkets. You'll have the, those who run supermarkets and off-licenses saying, well, if we're going to be hit by it, surely the bar should yeah, be no, as well. Yeah, no, no, I think it would, it would it would apply in the mm. it certainly would apply in, in the off trade as much as the on trade uh, or the on trade as much as the off trade so in that context it certainly would would affect uh, all price promotions on the on trade so, so in pubs and all those matters they would they would yeah. have to apply in the same the same principles the regulation for all sale of alcohol so the sold or supply of an alcohol product and in the context of what you outlined I think I would I, my understanding would be that that would be prohibited and again this argument comes up time after time again and we We've discussed this before with you and, and others. Uh, when you have, and one text here from Mary, you have a responsible drinker who feels now they're being penalised by these new measures. So Mary here is saying, I will do my shopping. I might get two bottles of wine with the shopping and I'm very gladly getting loyalty points, which I use then on my grocery shopping. I would not misuse uh, the, the drink of wine, but I like to have a few glasses on a Friday evening. But she feels now that she's been penalised because of those who misuse alcohol. No, I mean, the context of of, of someone regarding themselves has been persecuted or been penalised in relation to the reduction of loyalty points because of an alcohol product is in itself a strange concept. But, you know, the, the idea is that alcohol is not an average consumer. It's not an ordinary grocery product, and therefore it shouldn't attract any of these matters. It shouldn't attract any sort of incentive around the consumption of alcohol in the context of ensuring that one would try to stimulate further demand for it. So in that context, we would say that as a public health act and as a public health measure, the idea that we would move to have alcohol products seen not to be as an ordinary commodity is crucial to this development. And we accept that it will take some time for some of these things to do, but we have to see it across the totality of it. This is just one small measure that would be part of a much wider set of measures that need to be brought brought about, like the minimum unit pricing, which also would, would, would stimulate that market. So like in the context of uh, a new regime in the supermarkets in the future, you know, were all the aspects that were to, that we've spoken about in the past for the Public Health Alcohol Act, you would have a very much a change landscape in the supermarket. So, you know, you'd have restrictions of availability, you'd have restrictions on the visibility of it, which are coming in next year, next November in 2020. You'll have a, a new system now in relation to how you know, you won't attract these loyalty points and you won't have these incentive schemes around additional alcohol purchase for half the price. And then in addition to that, hopefully in due course, we'll have minimum unit pricing, which will ensure that all those strong, cheap alcohol products can't be sold beneath a certain price. So there's three measures that, you know, in the next sort of, hopefully within the next two to three years, all will be implemented. And that would be significant transformation of the landscape around how alcohol is sold in a supermarket. Remember, you know, alcohol is not an ordinary product. It is, you know, uh, a mind-altering drug in, in, in itself, and therefore it shouldn't be seen as, as milk or vegetables. 
Yeah, and you mentioned there the pricing. We've got a, a few people who've been on to us about pricing and that whole kind of a bottle of wine in France can be two ninety nine, while here the cheapest can be nine euro. Now that does include for us here in Ireland extra taxes, import, and that type of thing. But also maybe the way we drink and consume alcohol in this country. That's why we are discussing and um, introducing minimum alcohol of pricing. We do consume alcohol differently than those on the continent. We do, but. Um I mean that's that that in some results is a, is a cultural expression. I mean, we, you know, there's a debate around how we consume alcohol, and that perhaps we we when we do consume alcohol, we do it in a binge manner, which ensures that we you know seek to get the greatest impact off alcohol, and that's not necessarily how it is how alcohol is consumed in some continental countries and in other member member states in the European Union. But the reality is, they do drink the same as us, and the more importantly and crucially the public health outcomes are the same as ours you know we, they suffer the same degree of people who die from liver cirrhosis and children been impacted by alcohol you know the the the, the, it, the, the the consequences are the same. So whilst the cultural expression may seem to be different, the, the consequences, which is universal across much of Western Europe, where we drink the highest amount of alcohol in the world, Ireland drinks 80% above what is a global average. Mm. And would you be afraid that if we do increase these measures against alcohol in this country, that people may turn to other substances, such as maybe may turn to drugs if they are cheaper than alcohol? Is that a concern? No, uh, I think what will happen is people will go back to the, will revert back to what we used to be about alcohol, which was that we used to regard it and have a have a sort of a healthy um, skepticism around the consumption of alcohol. We used to be much much more wary of the consumption of alcohol. We were much wary and much more concerned and much more uh, aware of the impact of alcohol. And we we seem to l- lose that around the turn of the century or across the 1990s and into the turn of the century. And so what we're about is essentially trying to ensure that over a set of measures that are brought about is that we would reduce alcohol consumption to a, to a normal low risk level perhaps um, and that if that were to be achieved we would be drinking 40% less and in that context we would have a serious much better public health outcomes. And obviously the health outcome is because we are seeing at the moment at weekends in particular in our city hospitals here the amount of people turning up uh, taking spaces for those who need yeah, services exactly. in A&E because they're turning up drunk and they're turning up messy and they're causing fights and that's evidence especially in city centre hospitals not only here in Cork but across the country on weeknights so with this argument now to re- get rid of basically loyalty points for those who do their shopping and, and buy a bottle of beer or whatever and the loyalty points won't be included for drink we have the convenience stores and the News Agent Association feeling, well, they feel anyhow that you might move people from the Republic to the North because of Brexit. Again, is that just excuses, do you think, or will that have any impact? Because when will all this come into force? Well, just to just move back for a quick, just a quick second, just to remind people in terms of the public health outcomes. I mean, you know, we do have 10% of our beds in public hospitals have been occupied by people who have alcohol-related illnesses. 30% of people who go through the doors of the A&E are there because of alcohol-related episodes. So, you know, we're not doing this because we seem to be some sort of uh, purient, you know, wanting to reduce people's idea of, of, of entertainment or enjoyment. We're doing this for a solid reason around public health and to stop people dying, which at the moment is about three people a day. Um, so in the in the context of these measures, when will they likely come into place? I think that if they're currently before the EU Commission for scrutiny, and if they were to be approved by the EU, which I would imagine they will, because there's nothing particularly 
controversial in them. Um, the minister has intended has indicated that these will be commenced on the first of September, twenty twenty. So what nine months time or a bit well ten months time or so, I suppose at this mm. stage. Well, this we're in September, so in a year's time, first September, twenty twenty. That's that's the starting point for it. And in relation to the retailers or the the, um, the convenience stores owners and those people. I mean, I don't think that, you know, there's all sorts of spurious arguments around trans-border shopping, and that has always been the case. You know, for Sterling has fluctuated for as long as I'm on this earth. It has gone up and down and up and down, and people have changed and went across the board, and people have come to purchase material in Ireland and, and goods in Ireland, and then have subsequently there's been a, a reverse of that trade into Northern Ireland. So, I mean, I think these are... These are, these are everyday commercial transactions which occur and, and you know in the context of people who are living in Cork I think it's extremely unlikely that you're going yeah. to travel to yeah. Uri so that you can purchase a bottle of wine for one fifty less than what you're currently doing Well we'll wait and see what happens uh, Marion on text agrees with Union and says when we look at our hospital A&E's but also how alcohol has torn apart families and has exactly. led to domestic abuse and, uh, abuse and families as well it's good to see measures like this being introduced it's not all fun and games when it comes to alcohol says Marion uh, for the moment Union we'll see what happens um, with this and the introduction of it next year for the moment thanks for joining us on the Thank programme you. this morning uh, Eudon McKinney there from Alcohol Action Ireland your views are welcome a lot of calls and comments in on how people feel about this new measure uh, you keep them coming to us at 1850 or indeed text or WhatsApp 86 we'll get to those comments but we're going to look ahead at Culture Night across Cork County with C103 media partners of this event this Friday night we'll look ahead to Culture Night next You're listening to Cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed c103 text or whatsapp patricia with your comment 086 103. now this friday is culture night across cork county c103 are media partners for culture night in cork county and this morning we're going to highlight some of the events that are happening on friday evening into friday night Marin kelleher joins me uh, she's one of the coordinators with culture night in cork county good morning to you Marin. Good morning. Thank you so much. And thanks for joining us in the studio. Now, this night, first of all, it's great to recognise the arts and indeed our culture. I think we forget sometimes people are rushing and racing every day. What we have here across Cork County, by the way, of buildings and organisations who are trying to capture. I mean, we, we hear so much about we're, we're losing our culture, but they are trying to capture and maintain our culture in the county. Yeah, so there is so much going on. Um, there's amazing cultural and heritage sites throughout the county um, with loads of groups as well involved, artists, musicians, um, poets. There's just a massive variety of events. Yeah, let's look at uh, some of the highlights. Uh, first of all, we'll start with North Cork, what's happening on Friday night. And I know, first of all, the Glen Theatre in Bantir, who do great work uh, keeping culture alive, but they're having a storytelling and song event on uh, for Friday night. And that just kicks out some of the events across North Cork. Yeah, so um, Glen Theatre from half eight till 10pm, they're having a pub theatre. So it'll be all um, full of an evening full of song, music and storytelling, um, which would be a really great event for everyone. Mm. And get involved in it because the storytelling, a huge uh, cultural event for Cork County. I mean, so many people over the years would have got along to Screwx and Round the Forest which we uh, still do here on a Monday night with Jimmy Reedy. They're still huge. And you hear stories mm. from people of generations gone past, which, you know, there are stories that you will, will never hear again, only from a certain generation. Exactly. And it's fantastic. Um, with the Screwx, there's 
there's lots of other events like that going on in North Cork. So, for example, um, Kishkeem, they're having a turf lights the way. So their band is going to be uh, marching down the village with pitchforks um, on oh. fire. So the pitchforks and turf are on fire. Um, so the turf on top of the pitchforks and they walk through mm. the village. So they're mm. going to be traditionally dressed and just bringing back that kind of heritage. Yeah. Inside. Cool. And I see uh, Donnerell House is mentioned there. I mean, I mentioned buildings at the start of the interview. We have so many heritage buildings across uh, Cork County, but I think Donnerell is the one that has captured so many, uh, so many people's imagination uh, over the last year, especially with what's been done by the OPW in the last two years. Definitely. And it's a beautiful building for Culture Night this year. They're going to open up the house um, at 8 o'clock and it's going to be fancy dress and a tour of the house. So it, it's reenacting and looking back into the history um, of what was going on in the house. And then while that's happening in Donnerill, just two more events focusing on art. So there's a paint and Prosecco workshop as well in the village um, where people can come and enjoy painting while pers- having Prosecco. And there's also kids culture. So there's loads happening in that spot a lot happening in Donnerill so always good for the arts and I see in a Fremont they're having the culture night there as well more storytelling so a lot going on across North Cork and in Charnival of course uh, Indy Cork uh, they're presenting family friendly short films as well so uh, plenty happening across North Cork um, and for my and Glanworth uh, involved with so much happening there on the evening a lot of poetry I, I see from the North Cork region uh, and storytelling yeah, a huge amount of poetry. There's um a lot of the libraries are involved coming out with their library groups, um, poets and readers. So they're really backing up the literature side of culture. And Mill Street, we mentioned there Kish Game a while ago from the uh, past and with the turf. We see that in Mill Street as well. They're bringing the past and it's becoming the present. So th- that'll be nice. And, and the historic items there in Mill Street Museum, because if you're from an area, you kind of forget what has been there before you. And you might never want to go into a building or into a, a museum because you're from the area. But this is an, a, a chance to people go in and experience what was in your town before you arrived on. Yeah, I think definitely. Um, we're all very bad for going to cultural and heritage sites within our own community. Mm. You know, I haven't been to Blarney Castle or any of these when it's on our doorsteps so it's fantastic to open up the doors with um, the Mill Street Museum it's a beautiful building they have so much artefacts and then they're also bringing out their pipe band and doing a culture trail around the town as well Okay, so plenty happening across North Cork. Just to mention as well, New Market, Steve Lucra sounds on there. And of course, the Rambling House in mm-hmm. Scully is a very famous occasion there. Let's go from North Cork to South Cork and a lot happening uh, from Carrigaline to Kinsale. Yeah, loads. So Len Graham is coming down to Carrigaline Library. He's going to start off the night at 4pm with um, traditional song and storytelling again from Irish Heritage. Um, there's a lot of exhibitions going on in Kinsale, Charles Fort is opening their doors and they're doing a midnight tour, a walk around um, Charles Fort, which would be really beautiful. That's going to be beautiful, yeah, because mm. it's a beautiful site. And if you haven't been there, I mean, all these events are free, so you should avail of these. Exactly. Everything's free and most events you don't have to book, so you can arrive on the mm. night and see, you know. Turn up. Yeah. Yeah. And going from Kinsale, Lissarda and the McCroom area you have a lot going on now. I know the McCroom Food Festival is on this weekend as well. So a lot of that is tied in with Culture Night uh, this Friday. Um, no, but I think McCroom would be a really good hotspot for events this weekend mm. because of the Food Festival and then um, coupled with Culture Night. They're two separate events, but there'll be just so much going on.
There'll be a lot to choose from there, including if you're in Enchigila, a village walk because there's a history tour with that. And that area of Cork, very historical, uh, the Mid-Cork area, uh, not only in years gone by, but in recent enough years. When I mean recent, I mean in the, in the, the 20s, 1920s, 1930s with, with the War of Independence. And, and what went on, a lot of it was was starting off in uh, the area of Mid-Cork from Benablon, those areas. So a lot happening in that region. Definitely. And um with the village walking in Shagila, Joe Creedence giving um, the talk and looking back into our heritage. But then if you continue on to Lizarda, the Independence Museum in Kilmurray mm. is actually opening up its doors. So um, their museum's fantastic. They recently got a new museum and they have all their um, artefacts from that time period. It's it's really worth to go along and see really that. Yeah. Okay, let's go from uh, there to East Cork. And now one house that if people have a chance to go, they should check this out uh, near Carrick Tool. It's the photo tour and they're calling it Discover Photo House. Uh, just tell us about this because people will know this house, but many might never have been in there. But you'll be able to go in and experience what happened over the years. Definitely. So um, Photo House, they're going to do a tour of the house with people in fancy dress as well bringing you through what it was like so they're starting off from the um the quarters the working quarters all the way up to the top um to experience that piece of history again and Cove, Yall and Middleton have a lot on offer over the uh, night as well. There's a, a lot going on in actual the, the East Cork area. But just to say, the, summarise the main events there that maybe you would uh, find are your highlights in those particular areas of East Cork. Um, yeah, so my highlights, the Serious Arts Centre are having two exhibitions in Cove. Um, one responding to um, sci-fi, which obviously the moon landing and everything being mm-hmm. so relevant. Um, and then another um, life with life inside. So those exhibitions will be going on. And then it's, I think it kind of matters to the viewer, whatever you want to do on the night, there's so much to offer. You can go to exhibitions, music, literature, poetry, whatever you're interested by dance. Um, if you check out the website, the brochure, there's just so much that you can pick and choose. Yeah, and the, the, those brochures are available in various parts across the country. You can or the county even. You can go on Culture Night uh, website as well, Cork Culture uh, at Night on. If you Google it, I suppose the best thing to do yeah. to, to get the actual website up where you can choose where you want to go. And from East Cork to West Cork and in Bandon, there's a cultural trail. But also what I like in Bandon is they have a movie, Abandon at War, which they've trailered on YouTube. It looks interesting and that's all part of the event as well uh, this weekend. Yeah, it's actually going to be the preview of that movie. Um, in Bandon and the cultural trail will it's taking off in the um, education and training centre with a reading by local artists and then going down as far as the Bandon concert band so I think that tour there's going to be a culture bus as well there so you can just hop on the bus and experience everything that's going on in Bandon Excellent. And Bantry and Beira have a lot going on there as well. I mean, I see in Beira they have beautiful Beira and that's showing exhibitions of paintings from the area. Yeah, so local artists and um, national artists, all their collections responding to the area um, and everything it has to offer. And the rest of the uh, West Cork area then from Castletown Bear to Clonakilty to Glengarrow, just some of your highlights there that people would be interested to go along because there's a lot on in each individual town. Uh, so, so some of your own highlights there. Obviously in Skibbereen has the Heritage Centre so that would be a big night there in Skibbereen but the other areas there as well. The other area, so um, Castletown Bear, Bear Film Festival's on. So Bear Film Festival just started up in the last two years and it's um, encouraging filmmakers to show their work in the area. It's all showing um, films made by Cork filmmakers 
It'd be in a beautiful um, venue in St. Peter's Church in Castletown Bear. And then, as well as that, the Clonakilty um, Guitar Festival's on this weekend. So we've partnered up with them and there's two um, amazing acts playing for free in Clon in response. So there's Fintan um, McKay. He has a solo show in Molly's Cafe, um, as well as the Barras have a amazing duo performing um, from South Africa. And they're an acoustic duo with traditional music. So I think this should be kind of bringing the whole... Um, global culture then yeah. down to Clonic bringing two cultures together exactly yeah very good that's a good idea uh, so plenty to choose from there on various parts of the county whether you're in North Cork East Cork West Cork or South Cork and then you can bring it all into one place the county hall uh, because every year there's a monster craft fair there and that is a huge event that people love going to that it's in the foyer in county hall the foyer basically changes on that evening and it's a fantastic event yeah so the whole of the county hall is transforming so this year actually the craft fair we got very ambitious it's going to be our big as ever craft fair for culture night mm. so we have um over we've 28 makers and producers all from um cork showing their work It'd be really good but there's actually 16 events in total happening in county hall in the night so just to bring you to here briefly there's um an exhibition on by um artist kira rogers she responds to architectural buildings and drawings and then there's there's Kids events, family friendly events, there's music, there's um, singing, dancing, workshops. There's and they're highlighting the best, I presume, of the craft fair from right across Cork County, the people involved. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So the craft fair, we've teamed up with um, Cork Craft and Design, um, which had their month launching Cork Craft. So this is the final step on their tour of Cork Craft and oh. Design. So it's makers um, within that community that are showing their work. Well, that's good. Well, best of luck. That's always a huge event in County Hall. And if people want more information, go along to culturenightcorkcounty.ie. You'll get the full details there and indeed details of the individual areas where you can go and see and choose your own town. For the moment, Marilyn, thanks for joining us in the studio and going through some of those events. And again, all these events are free. Mm. So like we mentioned with Candom Fort and others, take time out if you haven't been there to go there now and avail of the opportunity. Thank you so much. And just before we go, I'd like to say a special thank you to um, Cork County Council um, in particular, Ian McDonough and Sinead Donnelly from the Arts Office. Um, I'd also like to thank, of course, the Department of Culture, Heritage and the Gaeltuck, um, RT and Creative Ireland. As well, I'd like to thank um, Demi Isaac Wavy. She's our Culture Night Ambassador. Oh, Demi, this year. Yeah. yeah, and she's going to be in the County Hall interviewing um, Louise O'Neill on the night about oh, her book. So it should be that should be a good night as well in County Hall for the, exactly. the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Louise will be known to our listeners here as well as with Dimi uh, from interviews on this show. Uh, Miran, mm-hmm. thanks for joining us. Best of luck uh, on Culture Night this Friday night. And again, check out events uh, with C103 proud media partners, culturenightcorkcounty.ie. Uh, Miran Kelleher there, who is coordinator with Culture Night for Cork County. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. Bernie takes your calls this afternoon or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 86 103103. You can always tweet us at C103Cork, email jp at c103.ie or send us a message on Facebook to C103Cork. Uh, some of the ways you can contact us at this afternoon. A lot of comments in regarding our conversation with Eunan McKinney from Alcohol Action Ireland. And this was to do with what's going to happen 
and it's going to be this time next year when it comes into law basically when you go to the supermarket when you get those bargains you know when you're buying a beer you get another slab of beer for half price or buy a bottle of wine and maybe get another bottle of wine for free or something like that anyhow some of those drink offers they'll simply go missing in the supermarkets and the off licences they won't be allowed anymore and also when you're doing your grocery shop and you have your bottle of wine and you scan it and you get loyalty points for that uh, whatever supermarket you are in well you will not get that either that will be removed a lot of people are unhappy with that and feel this minimum alcohol pricing that we spoke about as well and indeed the fact that these new measures are coming in uh, getting rid of bargain deals for alcohol uh, is uh, people just feel it's not right and they feel why should they be punished because of other people's misuse of alcohol just some of the comments coming in to us first of all a texter says price will not deter alcohol consumption in this country it will encourage illegal brewing though smuggling in beer to Ireland that will make up the balance as that particular texter another texter saying why should a drink enable you for loyalty points in a supermarket if you buy a packet of Panadol, Panadol tablets you don't get the points so why should you for alcohol and Joan in Formoy says it's very mean to suggest alcohol will not be linked to store cards if you spend 10 euro on a bottle of wine you only get 10 cent back on the value card the stores already eliminate medicines and vitamins from their cards and also baby milk so this is a very mean thing to suggest uh, that they will go ahead and do this and they are seemingly it's going to be coming into force uh, this time next year it's, it's going to happen uh, as part of the uh, health bill when it comes to alcohol Amanda uh, who's in Mallow says so because the guy or girl who cannot drink their drink or c- who cannot control their drink then I'm penalised for them and with this minimum pricing where is all the money going for example I can buy a bottle of wine in France for one ninety nine. I buy the exact same bottle here for €9 Euro in the same store how is that fair and what about all this EU we hear about it seems to be a rule for them when it suits them but nothing to do with pricing uh, in countries countries whereby we should have the one price for everything across the EU that does not happen just look at the wine industry uh, says Amanda who again feels very strongly at the end of her text saying uh, and again I'm being penalised for the person the guy or girl who cannot control their drinking Uh, Tom Informoy says we all like to have a few points but we are not all going mad on drink if alcohol Ireland had their way no one would have a social life says Tom Informoy and we, we're getting a lot of people who've been away over the summer and they're texting us in leaflets from France and Spain and comparing the price of wine in France and Spain to the price of wine here. And the store that keeps coming up is little or little, whatever way you want to pronounce it. And they, and again, like Amanda said and Heidi earlier, wine there, the same bottle of wine on offer for one ninety nine or two ninety nine. yet the wine here is €9 Euros or €10. Euros. Well, that will be the case with minimum pricing anyhow uh, in this country. And a lot of it going back to how we drink in this country compared to how they drink in the continent. And that is one of the reasons and another reason given uh, when I asked about all these changes in alcohol and the selling of alcohol will that now move people from alcohol to drugs because we're seeing a huge increase in the drug market cocaine widely available as we discussed on the show last week teenagers now taking cocaine quite evident if you're out and about in any uh, bar in in a big town or a city or anywhere really at this stage you, if you're aware of the symptoms of cocaine or any drug you, it's evident to see uh, and with that going on people think and feel that 
as alcohol gets more expensive and there's more control over the sale of alcohol, people will move to drugs. Uh, Ewan uh, from Alcohol Action Ireland said that won't happen and evidence that he had supported this. But uh, we've got getting a lot of texts from uh, people who feel when they look to Scotland, when this measure, a similar measure uh, was introduced in Scotland, uh, drugs uh, and the misuse of drugs uh, did increase. And in Scotland, seemingly, that when they had this minimum alcohol pricing and indeed uh, the issue of the away from the the drink culture for the moment, but just on the loyalty points issue and the bargain pricing in supermarkets, that it did lead to people turning from alcohol to drugs. And some people have linked and sent me in our newspaper articles from Scotland that is stating this. So uh, will it work here? Could people leave alcohol and turn to drugs because of all the new measures coming in? I'm not too sure that I mean alcohol actually Ireland say it won't happen and, and the stats are there to prove that uh, will it happen we'll just have to wait and see and staying on pricing and something totally different away from alcohol uh, Heidi who was the first person in regarding the pricing in France to do with wine has raised the issue on a cup of coffee here in this particular country compared to other countries but that has led to other people, including Magella, uh, when we mentioned pricing and alcohol, asking, has anybody noticed the price of coffee increasing slowly over the last year or so? Magella says, I would get coffee some mornings, not every morning, but some mornings, and the regular price was either 270 or 280 Now I'm paying up to 350 or 360 So anybody else noticing the price of a cup of coffee? This is a takeaway coffee that you would get maybe in a shop or a garage or, or whatever whereby you will self-serve uh, and the machine will give it to you or you'll go into a certain outlet and they will make the coffee for you. Usually more expensive if you go into the outlet. Not always the case. But has anybody noticed that? And just as you say that, Magella and Heidi as well, I have come across that. I don't drink a lot of coffee. I'm only new to coffee. I only started drinking coffee uh, two years ago, 2017. And the only reason I did was because I was in New York on holidays. And remember, there was a, a terrorist attack in New York at that time. We were more or less caught up in the middle of it. And because I was there and people in, in radio knew I was there, I had to do a lot of the radio interviews on that breaking coverage. And because of the time difference, I went to bed at 1am, I was up again at 3am and I was on our, our network of stations here in Ireland and indeed on national stations here in this country as well, just reporting on what happened on the ground um, from, uh, from New York in Manhattan that particular day. And I had no sleep and we had planned to get up the next day and cycle Central Park. So I was thinking, right, I'm, I can't get sleep at seven o'clock in the morning. I've been, on, I've been on air for the last four hours with various radio stations right across the country. And uh, you can't get back to sleep. Then everybody's up in the apartments getting ready to go out. So I chanced coffee and I liked it and it kept me awake for the day. And even though I wouldn't drink a whole lot of coffee, I have since then stayed with coffee. And not every morning like Magella, but some mornings I would have a coffee depending on how busy the day was before or what was planned uh, on the show today. Depending on what we were doing for the day, if there was going to be a very, very long day and we needed to have a production meeting or go somewhere else like today. I'm I'm leaving here uh, later on this evening to go to Ross Carberry for the West Cork Sports Star Award. So you might need an extra cup of coffee in the day to uh, drive from Mallow to Ross Carberry and, and change your own jeeps and stuff here so with all of that you plan your day out if you need coffee you need coffee and some people will always want coffee but 
the price I've noticed anyhow has increased. 2.40 when I started drinking coffee was the price a year ago uh, from a petrol station in the outskirts of Cork City. That has now gone up to 3.40 in less than a year. So prices are increasing and like a lot of our callers and texters, not everybody is uh, constantly purchasing coffee. I know there's people out there who will have a coffee three or four times a day, but for the majority of people onto us when it comes to prices, uh, they might have one coffee a day a takeaway that is and they are noticing that prices have gone up so is it a general thing away from alcohol for the moment is our prices in Cork just increasing are we slowly catching up to cities like Dublin or what is the reason for all of this why are prices increasing 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 and will it ever stop well some might say Brexit might call a halt to everything we'll have to wait and see your views are welcome anyhow if you do drink coffee and if you do get a takeaway coffee what's the average price you pay 1850 333 103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862 or maybe you're just new to coffee like me and the whole price thing is a new experience to see maybe coffee's always been on the rise and not too sure anyhow let us know you can text on WhatsApp 0862103103 on the way we're going to discussing public service broadcasting and the fear of closure of the production of the RTE studios in Cork shortly. Also, we're going to hear about the work of GROW, the Community Mental Health Organisation. But just going back to comments regarding farming uh, for one moment, and this was Joe's comment earlier. Uh, Joe feeling basically the farming organisations have forgotten the farmer on the ground and uh, a lot of people supporting and agree with Joe. This particular text says, I fully agree with Joe's earlier comment about the farmers, the factories and farm organisations. They have shown they don't give a damn whether you're a small hard-working farmer or whether you're starving uh, and indeed families who are immigrating because there is no life in rural Ireland uh, this person feels all they want to do is eradicate rural Ireland and plant trees uh, they all should be ashamed of themselves to say they are supporting the farmers when they are not they're showing where their true loyalty lies and it's not with the farmers following those particular talks and Sandy says I cannot see why negotiating a Beef-based price is not legal. When farmers buy animal feed and fertilisers, he is told it's price per tonne. When buying electricity, it's price per unit. When a vet treats an animal, it's price per animal and per dosage unit. And when you're building, it's price per square metre based on price of tonne of cement and the cost of labour unit, which is based on paying more than a minimum pay or a base pay per hour for labour. So why is base price for beef illegal? Good point, Sandy, when you add all the other professions up. Why is it then different for farmers who deal with beef? Uh, thank you for your text, Sandy, in 0862103103. And the latest you would have heard there from Barry on the factories. We heard from County Leash earlier where a factory may close towards the end of the week. A temporary meat processing plant has said it's been forced to lay off 355 workers due to the ongoing blockade at its particular site in Care in County Tipperary. So that continues regarding staff being laid off. We did speak about Culture Night and one text in here to give a mention for an event in Mallow. It's a Culture Day in Mallow. Music, song and poems in Mallow Library from 3pm and then later this Friday from 8pm in the West Inn Art Studio they'll have Mallow strolling through Ulysses one man's hilarious show also Jim O'Keefe's bar on Main Street in Mallow at 10 o'clock there'll be songs with a name so that and more for Culture Day that's on a Mallow this coming Friday 
And a bit of help here, if we can help these people. First of all, a Skibbereen listener inquiring, is there anyone in the Skibbereen area that could fix a broken banjo string? Anybody that is good on the banjo that can fix a broken banjo string? We have that listener's contact details here. Get in contact with Bernie, 1850-333-103. And also, a man in Bantry lost his red regatta jacket and beige cap. And this happened approximately three weeks ago. Now, he must have left it somewhere in Bantry. But if you were in Bantry and you picked this up somewhere, picked up a red regatta jacket and a beige cap, uh, can you let us know? And we'll pass on your details to the person who misled it. And also, a set of car and house keys were lost around either Lidl or Danos in Mallow yesterday and again contact us we'll have details here and one email that has come in to us from a group we've spoken about and do great work in the North Cork area and this is the Cardiac Support Group for North Cork they're going to host a presentation entitled Gut Health and that's going ahead on next Monday in the Mallow Daycare Centre at 8 o'clock the topic is being delivered by Maria Collins who's a nutritional therapist so go along there Monday in the Mallow Daycare Centre 8 o'clock in the evening Gut Health will be discussed organised by the Cardiac Support Group for North Cork The C103 Cork Diary with Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities serving Cork visit corkcoco.ie This evening in Kinsale the supper club will be held in Kinsale Min Shed and that's going on at 7.30 you can get tickets from John on 086 385 6152 Clonakilty Camera Club they will host an open night at O'Donovan's Hotel in Clon that's on tomorrow evening for anyone who wishes to join the club all level of photographers are welcome and social dance will be held in the Hibernian Hotel on this coming Thursday. There'll be a DJ playing country music from 8.30 and Dermot and Eileen Ring will take to the stage then at 9.30 until midnight. That's in the Hibernian Hotel this Thursday. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. On Sunday, the Irish Daily Mail broke a story that RTE is reviewing its services, is preparing to set its Cork studios and more of its Dublin 4 campus. They've been told by the communications minister to cut back on their budgets uh, but not all are happy if they are to leave the uh, Forte Magistry site in Cork. Councillor Des Cattle has contacted us about this and joins me. Good afternoon to you Des. Afternoon, how are you? I'm fine thanks uh, and thanks for contacting us on this one. Uh, first of all, uh, for, for outside of the RTE thing, I think the main reason people are worried is, is the state broadcaster uh, providing a public service and if everything was to be coming out of Dublin, it doesn't meet the public service criteria whereby it is supposed to be a state broadcaster and represent everything going on, not only in Dublin but across the entire country. If Cork was to go, that would have a knock-on effect. And also, uh, looking at the government's 2040 uh, proposal that they harped on about for a long time over the last year or so it goes against that because they want to uh, open up the regions if this government are telling RTE to cut its costs and more or less to get rid of Cork it goes against their big 2040 launch they had Yeah you're exactly right you must have read I'm, I'm just thinking here as you were going through everything you must have read through my notes um, <laughs> no, I didn't but anyway. No you didn't but you're 100% right and it, it, but even from a business standpoint um, I mean, they're saying they'll possibly get a million for the site. They'll have capital gains because they've had it for so long, possibly 300,000. So you're looking at 700,000 is the saving uh, or, or is, is the sale value to them. And frankly, I mean, it, it doesn't seem to make sense to me. When you look at the value they have out of the site with, say, the Dahlia Morris show, John Creedon, um, Nationwide being out of there, I mean, 
all been done um, very, very well, very economically, um, out of a, a site that really owes them nothing anymore. Uh, I find it even just bad business. But to get back to the broader point, whereby you're saying they are the national public broadcaster, they should um, have a presence outside of just the capital. Cork is the capital of the region. Um, it's, it's, you know, I, I just can't really understand the mindset behind it. And I'm listening to Sam Smith on Sunday, I mean, he said, when you're a company has selling assets without a plan, there's a problem. And, you know, there's no plan as to say, what is the plan for RTE for the next five years? Well, they have come out, in fairness to them, the the Cork office have come out and they'll have to wait and see what happens if they haven't heard anything yet. But also, RTE themselves uh, say that staff will be informed in the next two to three weeks. I know in previous offices across the country, for example, in Galway and in Waterford, they did close their offices there and moved everything into local technology institutions. Maybe that is something that could happen here or they could downsize and move it to a smaller building, sell the building and lease a smaller building elsewhere because technology does allow now uh, for you to operate in a different way compared to when RTE Cork was initially set up? No, I agree. But I think to have a base for RTE in, as you rightly said, from the Ireland 2040 and Cork 2050, where we're expecting a 50% increase in, in, in population, um, the city itself is already under transformation with the amount of cranes in the sky. Um, but we I mean to have the, for the national broadcaster that have a footprint in a site that they, you know, that's equipped for, to their needs um, in the centre of the city. It's an asset that they should be keeping hold of in light of what's going, ha- ha- what's going to happen over the next 20 years. Not selling them. I mean, it's granted that they'll move somewhere else, but they'll be paying rent there. They'll have to set up costs and everything else. So what's the cost saving in reality? Yeah, well, well one thing they could... One thing they could look at is if, they, if it is the case that they don't need all the space... Uh, move studios elsewhere in the building and rinse the place, the, the space they don't need, and that would intake money to RT. You know, I'm not sure if that can work uh, under their remit, but that is something they could think of. The other thing that when you mentioned there about regionality and, and everything not in Dublin, you mentioned the Today Show with Dora Mahi. Uh, the benefit of that show, outside of shows we usually see in Dublin, when they're bringing in journalists, we get a different view because it's a more regional view and we mm-hmm. get different journalists because they're bringing in journalists from Munster, from Galway and those areas who normally don't get a look in when a show comes from Dublin. So they're giving a more regionality, something that we see a lot when we look across uh, to our friends in the BBC or ITV who do not all broadcast from London. I mean, the, the two major centres now for the BBC and ITV uh, is more or less based in Manchester and they have studios that are in London, but it's not all to do with Manchester. I mean, some of their big shows come from Leeds, Liverpool, other areas. So, uh, do we need to look at that here in Ireland, or are we just a small country? Dublin will do reduce the output and save money. I mean, does anybody really care where a show comes from these days with the advance in technology, I mean, social media, and all of that? Yeah, you're you're right in lots of ways, but I think you know equally you should you should look at it the. There's no doubt that television and, and newspapers have changed dramatically, and we'll never go back to what they were. But what has maintained, and you would be part of this, is the, the success of, of local radio, and in itself, that's local broadcasting. But the success of local radio has, has increased. And I think if they look at the model of how local radio, why local radios have such uh, an appeal, they should have their regional offices, you know, playing to that and bringing more of a regional and more of a local area uh, programs from those that can fit into the national system. I mean, you know, it, it's it's they're just selling everything and hoping to 
things will work out. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't, you know, that doesn't work. Do you feel and it's I an e-jerk reaction from them? I think it is an e-jerk reaction. I think at this stage they haven't officially decided to do it. Um, I think they should pull back from it and think, look, let's not look at this as a liability. Let's look at this as an asset, an asset in an area that's growing. Um, let's look at what they're doing with local radios and let's try and incorporate that type of, of uh, process and that type of product in television. And it is a public broadcasting. It's, this isn't a private company. This is public broadcasting. And you mentioned there about regional and copying what local radio does. I could say the Today Show does a lot of that and it does it well because it's, it's one of the highest viewed shows. Uh, I think it's over 100,000 they get uh, viewership-wise in the afternoon on RT1. But then you mentioned local radio and the success of local radio. And you're right, in Cork, I think, is it 82% or 85% of people listen yeah. to radio on a daily basis? The majority of those are the local services here available in Cork. But... A local radio across the country, not only here in Ireland, but but across the world, uh, is under threat because market and advertising revenues are falling. People are choosing to go digital. They're choosing to advertise on Facebook and all of these measures, which might not work out for them in the long run, but they feel that is where it's at at the moment. So, I mean, in other countries, local radio has taken a hit whereby it might only be operating 10 hours a day or 8 hours a day in some countries and the rest mm-hmm. is coming from the capital city because they simply cannot pay staff and they cannot keep studios open. I mean, the UK has has changed totally in the last year when it comes to local radio. It's basically gone. Yeah, which is a shame, but that's we're having the opposite here in Ireland. Which, um, well, we are with listenership, but we're not, I don't, not too sure, I'm not in the know, but hearing what I'm hearing, advertising revenues, and Orty, you would agree with this, they're not as high as they were in the 90s or in the 80s. And you need no. money to pay staff and pay transmitters and pay leases and buildings and all that type of thing. And if the money isn't coming in and if people don't support the local radio, like the post offices, it will go. Yes, but, this, but get back to the fact that this is a public broadcasting body. So it has a different remit than a private Mm-hmm. Television company. Yeah, um, I would like this argument take to. I'm, like I'm on the board of the Opera House as being a member of the council, and the the remit of the Opera House is to include local shows and local talents. It's not while it is imperative that it uh, maintains its finances correctly. It's part of the remit of 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 the company. In the same instance, RT is a public broadcaster and a national public broadcaster, not just a Dublin public broadcaster. If you look at Ireland, uh, Cork County alone and city is half a million people who are, who, you know, a large portion of um, the TV license and their income comes from the area outside of Dublin. And to me, they should be promoting um, local activity and involving more people from outside the region. And when you have an asset and a base in the city, you shouldn't be getting rid of it. You should be enhancing it. And you should be looking for ways to how can we make this more localised in a national way, and you know, increase our foot or our footfall. Because frankly, I, I don't understand why they spend a lot of time and money copying other shows and bringing in mini celebrities from around the country to to copy a show that's being done across the water. Is that the best way to spend our money? So as you're a Fine Gael councillor, you mentioned there, they, we, we all saw the 2040 plan, you mentioned it was harped up by the government a lot over the last year. Have you any input, uh, being a city councillor and having a passion for this, to get someone in the communications department to, to look at this and say, this is a wrong move, you have the figures there, you outline them very well, surely there's another way around this? Yeah, well certainly I will, I will contact my colleagues um, 
in Dublin. I have spoken to some TDs on this, um, but I think um, yes is the short answer. And at the same time, I don't ever like to be, I'm not the type of core councillor who gives out about, oh, Dublin has everything, oh, poor Cork. That's not what I'm about, and mm. that's not what this is about. I think this is a better move for RTE, but I think they need to remember that they are a public broadcasting body. And you're right, um, having spoken with um, two TDs and the Minister about this, I, I think it's imperative that, um, you know, I impress on them to, to, to talk to the decision-makers while they'll say RTE is a separate body, etc., etc., I think there has to be an influence put there. And maybe, you know, because of the exposure that it had, uh, they may look at this again and at the very least park it for a while and um, and relook at it. But I really think that their business model is what they need to look at um, rather than their, their, their assets is one part of the business model, how they're operating. Apparently the layers of, the layers of, of editors that people now have to go through to get a show done, you know, has it become another HSC where it's it's there's it's 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 all to do with the the logistics and it's all to do with the planning and the meetings the meetings the meetings. Maybe and look at look at wages as well. The wages of some of their presenters. Precisely. Yeah. Precisely. Well, so. we'll wait and see what happens. As I mean, uh, they are going to make a statement. They say anyhow uh, from the head office in Donnybrook in the next two or three weeks. For the moment, though, we have to think of the staff in based in Cork. Uh, we've all been in companies whereby we, we've heard there are changes on the way, and we've been affected by those changes. So we know what it's like. So our thoughts are with the staff there. Um, Hopefully they get clarification sooner than two or three weeks, uh, even if it's only internally for them. But for the moment, Des, we'll wait and see what happens. And thanks for joining us this afternoon on the show, uh, Councillor Des Cattle. And maybe you have a view on that. The majority that did uh, text in did make the comment and indeed the issue of pricing for, uh, as Des put it, bringing in shows from abroad, showing those, do we need them? And also the cost, uh, presenters are costing them. Uh, can that be looked at as well uh, to save regional output? Anyhow, uh, we'll wait and see what happens. 1850 on the way Next, we're going to hear about the work of GROW. Uh, they are the Community Mental Health Organisation. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 On the issue of coffee prices, Mike in Bantry feels a lot of the Circuit K shops have very high prices when it comes to coffees and their Dublin prices, says Mike in Bantry. While a few more people on text feel some of the city stores uh, are also increasing the price of coffee and they're increasing the price of coffee to corner shops in Dublin. Uh, They're way too expensive. I see some shops in the city centre charging 3 dollars to 4 dollars for a takeaway coffee. Uh, That comes in from Brian on text to 0862103103, something I'm sure we'll return to on the show tomorrow. The uh, expensive price of takeaway coffee increasing in uh, Cork. Your views are welcome on that. You can email jp at c103.ie. And Mike also on earlier and a few people asking, is Peter Doddle, your gardener, joining tomorrow? He is Peter is back with us tomorrow he'll join us answering all your gardening queries from 12.30 tomorrow on the show and our regular councillor Joe Heffernan not with us this week he will be back next week but it gives us an opportunity to discuss the work of GROW now GROW is a community mental health organisation which runs meetings in the community across Cork for anyone who may be struggling with their emotion and mental well-being Fanula O'Callaghan is area coordinator of the southern region of GROW and joins me Fanula. good afternoon to you 
Good afternoon, JP. Um, Grow, and we hear so much positive uh, comments here and feedback on Grow on the programme from people in all communities across Cork and it really is embedded into communities and I think mental health now, it's not a big stigma that it used to be a number of years ago and Grow has got into communities, helped people because that mental health stigma is disappearing, thankfully, as we move on as a society. Absolutely, JP, and, and not before it's time. Um, grow, and I'm delighted to hear that there is so much positive feedback about our organisation. Um, we're, we're coming up to a, a big milestone this year in Grow. We're, we're 50 years in Grow this year, and uh, our, we're having a, a huge uh, commemorative weekend happening in Tallow this weekend. Uh, the leftovers of the Ploughing Championship will be all be uh, converging on... Um, Hello in, in Carlo this weekend for our 50-year anniversary weekend, which should be fantastic. We'll have new speakers such as uh, John Lonergan will be coming along to uh, address the group and all aspects of taking care and control of our mental health. And I guess that's where, um, you know, growth big success is in that it encourages personal responsibility um, that it is up to each and every single one of us to mind and look after our own mental health and uh, yes whilst it's important to abide by your your doctor's advice and the you know the mental health professionals a large part of it is really down to ourselves that we must also be a um, participate in our own journey of uh, looking after our mental health and recovery that's a very good point. Or for someone who, who does feel that for some reason in their lives, they, they know that their mental health and their well-being isn't, should, it shouldn't be as it is and they're not feeling the way they should be and they can't deter the reason for that. If they want to go along to one of their meetings, I mean, what can they expect to go along to one of your meetings? Well, first of all, to assure everyone of the utmost confidentiality and safety within the meetings, they are a very safe, confidential, non-judgmental space Um, Anything that's said in the room stays in the room. Um, What I would say to people, too, coming for the first time, don't feel at all under any pressure to do or say anything in the meetings. Just simply come along and and listen and observe and take your time in building up your sense of safety and security within the meetings. You know, we, we, in fact, discourage people from divulging too much about their circumstances for the first couple of weeks that they can get used to the, the structure of the meetings. So it, it's very much at the individual's own pace. Um, so, you know, it, it, can, it takes an awful lot of courage to take that first step to come along to the meeting. But usually, you know, the overwhelming feedback when somebody does get along to a meeting and listens to what's happening and, and listens to perhaps other people's stories, it gives them that great sense of, you know, relief that, oh, you know, I'm not the only one yeah. maybe experiencing these feelings of depression or or apathy or hopelessness or, or whatever they might be going through. That's a big thing when you go to one of those meetings, you realise you're not alone. You'll hear stories from others who were sitting there at the meeting and are going through something very similar to you. And then you exactly. get an understanding why maybe you're going through what you're going through. Uh, if you are, for example, I have a few questions coming in here. If, For example, if you're in Kanturki, you want to go to a meeting in Mallow, I presume that, that you don't have to go to your own local meeting. People are afraid in case someone in yeah. the room would know them and they don't want their business known in a local rural area. That, that happens quite a lot, and it's, it's very understandable, even though, you know, the, the confidentiality is assured. People often feel um, more comfortable going to 
a meeting outside of their immediate location. So yes, absolutely. Um, details of all of our meetings are on the, the Grow website. But if, if yeah, if you're living in Mallow, you know, and you want, or if you're living in Kinturk and you want to attend the meeting in, in Mallow, that's that's uh, quite understandable. And with the modern day life pressures that everybody is facing now, are you feeling our services are under pressure or are you hearing of more people going and using our services? You mentioned 50 years there. A lot has has happened in those 50 years, especially Absolutely. just in the last 10 years. Sure. And, and it, yeah, particularly since the crash and the, the whole economic fallout, JP, um, I, I've noticed, you know, so many people coming for uh, reasons of, of sheer anxiety um, that seems to be an epidemic that's sweeping across the nation and it's been building up. So, um, you know, whereas I suppose in the past it might have been, you know, depression, even though depression and anxiety can go hand, hand in hand, it is the stresses of our modern day lifestyle that is uh, putting an awful lot of stress on people. And when they come to our meetings, it's, it's all about learning a program of, of better mental health and there's so much in the GROW program that helps us to, you know, deal with our anxieties. Uh, we have a, a saying in the Go Pro, GROW program that says to go by reason rather than feelings and imagination. And so often we can become completely overwhelmed by our feelings of being out of control and and uh, not having a grip on things. So it's a great sense of support when we can come along to a support group, a peer support group, and other people there can relate to what you're going through. Mm. And then to learn, it's not just a talking shop, it's also then to learn um, a better philosophy of mental health and ongoing, you know, uh, you don't just suddenly get get cured and, and it's happy ever after. As you know, life continues to throw up challenges for us. So it's learning about coping strategies and, and resilience as well. And it's grow a free service. It is, it's free of charge. Um, People can make a small donation if they choose to, to go towards expenses, room hire, etc. But it is a free service. It's open to anyone over the age of 18 and there are no referrals. We can just simply come along, just turn up at a meeting um, on any night and you certainly be made feel most welcome. And very finally, a medication. Uh, Mary has texted in. She goes, what is Grow's attitude to medication? Obviously, some people do need it and get prescribed from their doctor. Yeah. Does Grow agree with this? Yeah, we, we don't discuss medication, JP. Because Grow is a peer support group, we're not mental health professionals. We're not psychiatrists. So what we um, urge each of the individuals to do is uh, you know, seek advice from their mental health professionals. And another Mary is saying, Grow is such a wonderful organisation. I myself have got so much help from it. And that's from the two groups in Kenturk and Mallow. I would recommend it to anybody very highly, says Mary on text. And of course, again, all confidential for the moment. Fanula, thank you for outlining the work Thanks. of Grow and best of luck uh, to you there on 50 Years. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, JP. That's Fanula O'Callaghan there, who is Area Coordinator of Grow in the Southern Region. Let's get drunk, I'll pull my heart up to my mouth This year's been hard for us, no doubt Let's raise a glass to a better one Let all the things that we've overcome Bring home to us, cause me and you, we can hold this out Only you understand how I'm feeling, now, yeah And I know I can tell you anything You won't judge, you're just listening, yeah you're the best thing that ever happened to me Cause my darling, you and I 
Walker at C103 we have a lot of calls and comments in about petrol and diesel prices following the attacks in Saudi Arabia over the weekend well we will discuss that tomorrow on the show with the AA also still your comments coming in on the price of coffee that and more on the way tomorrow my thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced I'm John Paul McNamara enjoy your sunny sunny even Tuesday afternoon here in Cork